So last week in James, we're going to read the same text we were in last week because we only got through part of it. James chapter 5, verses 13 through 18. And we saw that James brings his letter to a conclusion in, with prayer, which he began in chapter 1 about. We saw last week that he gave some commands. When we read Scripture, it's important to know that there are things that are commanded of the believers. And we saw that there were commands to do something repetitively in the future. Uh, and uh, one of those, it says, if you're suffering, he says, or pray repeatedly in the future. When you are suffering, you are to pray we saw that he said, if you are joyful or cheerful, that you are to repeatedly, you are commanded to sing praises. And we also saw that if you are sick, if you are dealing with health sickness, it says, commanded to the believers to call the elders of the church to pray and anoint you with oil. And we, get, we got to verse 16, and it said, confess your sins and pray for one another. And that's where we will begin today, is that we are to not only ask for prayer, we are to pray for one another. And these things are commanded by the Lord God Almighty through His Word for the church today. As you look at, first, as you look at James chapter 5, verses 13 through 18, the scriptural truth we look at this morning the prayers of God's righteous people are powerfully working to accomplish God's will. <clears throat> Verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. If anyone is cheerful, let him sing praise. If anyone among you sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. The Word of God. Father, again, thank you for your living word that we can read. We ask now that you would give us understanding, and you bless the reading, the preaching of the word. In Jesus' name, amen. And I would ask you this morning, are you in need of prayer? And I'll answer that for you is yes. You need people to pray for you, and you need to be one who is praying for others. And you need to be reminded that Christ is seated in heaven, and he prays on behalf of you. And you need to be reminded that when you don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit prays. And so these are wonderful truths if you are a follower of Christ. If you are not a follower of Christ, you'll learn this morning that God only answers the prayers of the righteous. And therefore, for you, if you're not a follower of Christ, you uh, should seek after Christ so that you would be made righteous. This morning we'll look at these two points, powerful prayers and fervent prayers, and I would draw your attention to verse 16. <clears throat> and as we look at verse 16, we see the description of the righteous prayer, not the person, but the righteous prayer that works powerfully through God as these requests are made. Look at verse 16, <clears throat> second half. The prayer of a righteous person has great what? Power as it is working. Or your text may say, it can also read this way, the effective prayer of a righteous person has great power. 
So before we look at the power of prayer, before we look at fervent prayer and the illustration of Elijah in 1 Kings, we must look at this word righteous because it's key here, the effective prayer of a righteous person or the prayer of a righteous person has great power. It is, under, it is of utmost importance that you understand this word righteous this morning, the person that is being described as being able to pray and there's power in that prayer. The word righteous in the original language means one who is correct. It means by implication being uh, found innocent. It also means being just in the eyes of God. This is what this word righteous means. And righteousness, church, is the key to powerfully working prayers that God answers. And the reason why, as we read last week, and I'll remind you again and read you a couple of passages here, Scripture is very clear throughout that God hears the prayers of the righteous. Proverbs 15, verse 8, it says, The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is acceptable to him. Proverbs 15, in the same chapter, verse 29, The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the what? Of the righteous. And again, I had a whole sheet of these texts last week where it's repetitive. And if you're not sold on that, read John chapter 9. Here's Jesus' words about God hearing and answering prayer. It says in John chapter 9, verse 31, Jesus says, We know that God does not listen to sinners. And the word sinners there means sinful, depraved, and detestable. But if anyone is a worshiper of God, which it means devout, pious, and God-fearing, and does his will, God listens to him. So let's read that again. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. And some of you would say right away, well, I'm a sinner. I've sinned against God. Well, there you have this description, as Jesus writes, of a person who does, has no fear of God, has no regard for God, the wicked, those who reject Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I am so thankful that God does not listen to or answer the prayer of the wicked. Because the wicked in this world do not like you if you're a Christian. Jesus is clear that the world hates those who are followers of Christ. And so I am sure that there are many wicked, evil people in this world who pray against Christians. And I'm thankful the Lord doesn't listen, He does not hear, and He does not answer the prayers of the wicked. He answers and hears the prayers of the righteous as we have in the text today here. Amen. In this, reason why the prayers are powerful and effective is because it's a righteous person praying. But the question that we ask with this before we can even continue farther then is, that's great that God hears the prayers of the righteous, but some of you just may be asking this morning, how do I become righteous? How does anyone become righteous well, when you read through Scripture, I would encourage you this week to read Romans chapter 5 and read 1 Corinthians chapter 15 because the Apostle Paul is very clear that he writes that all mankind are, have inherited a sinful nature from Adam in the garden. 
And you'd say, well, wait a minute. Eve took the fruit first and then she gave it to Adam. But when you see God holding Adam accountable, we see that God, was placed, uh, that God placed Adam in a position over mankind in that sense so that when Adam sinned, Genesis chapter 3, the fall happened. Sin, nature, is passed down to all mankind. And therefore, we are born with this sin nature, a nature that has come down from Adam and so Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21, and read all of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Apostle Paul summarizes that we are all guilty before the Lord because of sin. Turn to Romans chapter 3. In Romans chapter 3, the Apostle Paul, he quotes a number of passages. He quotes from Psalm chapter 14, Psalm chapter 53, Psalm chapter 5, Psalm chapter 140, Psalm chapter 10. He quotes from Proverbs chapter 1, Isaiah chapter 59, and Psalm chapter 36. And I point these things out to you because it is very important that you understand all of mankind's condition when we are seeking to how to become righteous. Here is what he writes in, in Romans chapter 3, which, which some of this in Psalms and Proverbs speaks of the foolish person, the fool who says that there is no God, the person who does not seek after God. And here is what Paul says in Romans. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. This is description of you before salvation. This is description of all before before any righteousness is given to them by Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 2 says that we are dead in our sins, dead in our trespasses. So when God does through Christ's blood shed that we were just singing, clothes us in righteousness of Christ because of confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord, believing in our hearts that Jesus Christ was raised from death to life. We're saved and we're clothed in the righteousness of Christ and we are made righteous. So some of you would say, I know people who have no regard for God and they do some good things. They do some moral and right good things. This does not mean that someone can't do something nice towards someone. What this is a declaration of is that everyone has a sin nature passed down from Adam and none of you can do anything to save yourself. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. That we're saved by the grace of God through faith in Christ, not by any works. There's nothing good that any of you could do to be saved. And it's all on God. And he gets all the glory. And the weight is off of us because we're saved by faith in him. The grace of God. Imagine this morning if all of us had a book in the Bible that had the list of every single thing you had to do. <clears throat> if you go back and read the Old Testament, you'll see the law. And God says, be perfect as I am perfect. Be holy as I am holy. Uphold all of these things. And when you read, you know 
I mean, you can argue with me, but you know in your hearts there's no way I could keep these laws that are laid out for me. And that is why when we read Romans and we read in Corinthians and we read in 1 Peter some wonderful truths, Paul says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of you, including me, has broken God's law. And Romans chapter 6 says the wages of sin is what? Death. Some of you know that. You said it loudly and proudly because you know that Scripture says in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This goes to this whole thing on righteousness and prayer. And some of you are going, why are we getting off down this road? We are not getting off on a side road, church. This is key to understanding prayer, that God hears the prayer of the righteous and he answers powerfully. And if you do not understand what it means to be righteous, then you will pray prayers that God will not answer. You will pray prayers that are not according to God's will. And you will wonder, Lord, why don't you answer me? Because he says, I will hear and listen and answer the prayer of the righteous. And here is how this happens. Second Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says this in verse 21. For our sake he made him, who is Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I am so thankful for that verse. And I believe I repeat it quite frequently to you here. Because Jesus Christ, fully God, became fully man. He never sinned. He never broke the laws of God. And therefore, he went to the cross and was nailed there where he suffered and he died. And as we were singing about the blood of Christ as we began this service, that his blood was shed to forgive his people of their sins and to remove them and take them away so that he would then clothe his people in his righteousness so that as we're singing praises to our Father, our Heavenly Father sees the righteousness of Christ upon our hearts and he adopts us as his own and we can then say Abba Father it's a glorious truth we can't do anything to get Christ's righteousness he gives it by his grace to his people through faith and so the sinless son of God Jesus Christ never sinned and died so we could be set free of our sins 1 Peter chapter 2 says this, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. Think about that for a moment. All the sins, the ways that you have broken God's law, all the things that you have done consciously, that you have done, all the things that you have ignored in God's word. Christ took the sins that you've committed and he was nailed to the cross. And his blood was shed that his people would have their sins removed. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Therefore, if you come into this place as a person who's not righteous, Romans 10 says, confess that Jesus is Lord. Believe that he's risen from death to life and you will be saved. Again, 
nothing that you can do, everything that God can do. With that in mind, go back to James and let us then look at the righteous person praying. For all who are in Christ, you are righteous. You have the righteousness of Christ. Therefore, you are commanded, as we've been reading in James, to pray. If you are in Christ, you are righteous, and you should be praying constantly. You should be praying fervently, and you should know these promises for the person who is righteous and prays that those prayers have great power as they work. The word power there, in verse 16, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. It means to be at work. It means to put forth power. It also can mean power waiting to be released. Think about that and the fact of praying uh, righteous prayers to the Lord and that power of God waiting to be released according to His will. This evening, we will actually be in 1 Peter chapter 4. And this is what Peter writes to the church and it reminds me and reminds us of the power to be released in prayer in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 and 11. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything... God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And the reason I read that text is when you read the letters to the churches and God gives gifts to his people, he expects them to use them and to serve one another. And as we read what Peter writes about that, it is God who empowers those gifts to be used among the body of Christ. It is not us. You may have the gift of hospitality that has been given to you by the Holy Spirit when you read in Romans chapter 12 or you read of the gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but it is not you who just conjures up this thing of like, I'm going to be the most hospitable people. It's the Holy Spirit of God working in you, and I bring that up so that you would be reminded that anything and everything that is happening in our lives is empowered for the good and glory of God, is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I think when we, as believers, realize there is nothing in us that can produce the powerful answers to prayer, we then are in a right place to pray because we must rely on God to answer. And yet, how many times do we pray for something and then we try to answer ourselves on our own ability? When God is calling us and commanding us to pray and to seek His face and to pray according to His word and His will, and He's the one who answers and when you don't know how to pray, Romans chapter 8, verse 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Have you ever run into that moment in prayer when you do not know what to pray for that brother or sister in Christ? When you are in prayer and it's this point where you do not know what, to, and you're reading through the Word, the Holy Spirit is this great, uh, glorious truth that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness and prays and intercedes. 
with groanings too deep for words. Well, again, James says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Effective prayer, that's what we want to see, right? Yes? You want to see prayers answered? Truly? It says effective prayer, great power of prayer, as it is, wor- as it is working, <clears throat> is applied to the trials, the suffering, the things that James is applying in our life. As he commanded last week, if you're suffering, pray. If you're cheerful, sing. If you're sick, call the elders of the church to pray for you and anoint with oil. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another. These things are commands, church. You are to be obedient to the Lord because it says that if we love him, we'll obey him. And so we need to be faithful in prayer. And I'm thankful for this description of Elijah. I love reading 1 Kings chapter 17 and 18, 19. Reading about Elijah, a prophet of God, a righteous man who prayed. And when you see these simple prayers that he prayed, God answered powerfully. But I think at times we can read about Elijah's life, and, and I won't ask, but maybe I, I, I'm just curious. I'm like, how many people read about Elijah this week? Because when you read about how he prayed, the prayers that are recorded are so simple, and they're directed to the Lord. And I wonder how many of us feel, I can't pray like Elijah. He was a prophet. Pastor, look at what he called down fire from heaven, and God sent fire. I'm going to call fire on my neighbors. No, don't call fire on your neighbors. (laughs) Again, we want to pray as a righteous person. Maybe some of us believe that our prayers will never be answered as Elijah. Pastor, I've prayed for this for 30 years and never seen it. Well, maybe God already answered and said no. A lot of times we only give God the option of saying yes to our prayers. And we've missed it that he already gave it clearly to us years ago. And his desire is to be praying differently according to his will today. And so James uses Elijah. Look at verses 17 through 18, the second point about fervent prayers and fervent praying. And I'm so thankful for verse 17. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And every time I read that, I say, thank you, Lord, that this description is in there. Because when I read about Elijah, I say, whoa, the man of God. But when you read, as I did this week, and I read again this morning of 1 Kings 17, 18, 19, I was reminded that he is like you and I, an average, ordinary, created human being. He was born into this world with the same sin nature as you and I, and God brought him to the point that he believed and he was a prophet. He said, send him to the people of God. And he was a righteous man because he was a prophet of God and he had faith in God to answer. And was his faith great? Some of you would say, yes, did you see what he prayed? But did you see how he was just like us? Did you read about the times that he was hopeless and in despair and, de- and in depression in that sense? Did you read the part where he prayed, Lord, let me die? I mean, that was his prayer. How many of us have prayed that before? Lord, let me just die. Would you just take me home today? This grief is so great for me. This trouble is so hard in my life. Would you just take me home? And God did not answer his prayer when he prayed that. Elijah felt compassion for a widow when her son died. 
And he was fearless before King Ahab who wanted to kill him. At the same time, he ran for his life when he heard that Jezebel wanted to kill him after he saw God send fire from the sky. This guy is an ordinary man like you and I with faith in God, with fears, with troubles. And I'm thankful that this description is here. At one point in in the account, he feels like he's the only righteous person around left and everyone's dead. And God cracks him and says, no way. You're not the only one, Elijah. But when you read about it, you may go, I felt like that before. Man, I've been in that position before. (laughs) Lord, let me die. And it says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And if you go back a couple chapters to the book of James, this illustration of Elijah is just not something to put at the end of the book, but it goes in with the context of James. You go back to James chapter 2 where we were a couple months ago. It's wonderful how when you read Scripture, it's all within context of Scripture. And Scripture is the best commentary in itself. And it says in James chapter 2 verse 22, you see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. The scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. Again, if you've been saved through faith in Christ by the blood of Jesus Christ, you've been clothed in the righteousness of God. That righteousness enables you to pray as Elijah prayed. And James teaches us that every true believer has access to God, an effective, working, powerful prayer as Elijah. Again, if you did not read it, read 1 Kings 17 through 19. Read these simple prayers which he lays before God. I think sometimes we think we've got to pray numbers of of all these things and I've got to make sure I include this, 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 this in my prayer and all these types of things. He prays simple prayers that are short, declaring God's glory. God told him, pray for the rain to stop. He says, he, he prayed, Lord, stop the rain. God stopped the rain for three and a half years. God told him to pray again for the rain to start. He prays for the rain to start and it starts raining again. We do not see Elijah sitting in a dark closet, cross-legged, in contemplative, centering prayer, trying to focus on one word, repeating it over and over and over and over to clear his mind so I can just hear God speak more clearly. There's no scriptural support for that in descriptions of prayers, but we see something that has been taking the church in America by storm. You go to the late 1990s and the emergent church movement, and they begin to talk about these things and add in all these Catholic mysticists, and you've got a center prayer, and you've got people who can uh, bring some great uh, attention to the Word of God. And you'll hear Tony Evans and his daughter Patricia Shire, and they're telling you about centering prayer, which is really just Buddhist thoughts. Church, read what Scripture says in how to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Do you guys know that prayer? You read that in the book of Matthew? You read it in the book of Luke? Jesus is declaring to his disciples when they said, teach us how to pray. 
very simple things that we are to declare glory to God, things that we ask of Him to do. Scripture is filled with God's people praying and how we are to pray and the power of prayer that comes as we approach Him, as we declare all the glory and praise to Him. And so stick to the Word of God about how to pray. Verse 17 says, Elijah, he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain in the earth. I mean, imagine if someone, I mean, we've had all this rain lately, so I'm sure some of you are trying to pray like Elijah. Stop the rain. We don't want any more rain. But I mean, seriously, think about the fact God told Elijah to pray, the rain stops. Three and a half years, like California drought, really bad. People dying off. All, there's no fruit. There's no vegetables. The crops are dying. The animals are dying. And then three and a half years later, God says, pray again. And God lets loose the floods of heaven, the rain upon the earth. But the key is, verse 17, prayed fervently. Do you know the word when it says he prayed fervently? It literally, literally means that he fervently prayed with prayer. Are you praying with prayer, church, as Elijah? This picture that you're in constant prayer. Romans chapter 12, verse 12 says, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. I don't know about you, but I find myself at times during the day going, Oh, I need to pray right now. How come I stopped? We're called to be constant in prayer, but in our human self at times, again, we get busy and we stop relying on the Lord throughout the day and we get busy with our work and our school and our friends and all kinds of stuff. And it's like you lay down with your head at night and it's like, oh, Lord, I should have been praying. And we pray and we fall asleep. Again, that we pray in general is great. But we're called and commanded to be constant in prayer. Philippians chapter 4 it says, rejoice in the Lord always, verse 4. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Are you anxious today, church? It says, do not be anxious about anything. You're like, how? You don't see what happened in my home this week. You didn't go to work with me. You didn't see what my neighbor did or what my kids or this person happened this week. It says, the Lord is at hand. Again, it's writing to Christians. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Church, memorize Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Because some of you, you may not see it this way, but when you get stressed out during the week and that thing that bothers you so much and you can't sleep and you don't want to show up this place, you don't want to talk to that person, these anxieties that are upon you, you are relying on yourself to fix your problems and you're not tying into the effective power of prayer of the righteous person and asking the Lord, give me the peace today. I'm going into this meeting right now and Lord, I need peace. And pray and ask the Lord. Just like Nehemiah when he was approaching the king. And in that moment the king's like, Nehemiah, you're downcast. What do you want me to do for you? And in that moment it says in Nehemiah, I believe it's chapter 2, where uh, there's this pause and it says, Nehemiah prayed the Lord and then he answered the king. And so again, simple prayers, fervent prayers 
that have powerful results because the righteous person praying and asking of the Lord God Almighty. Go read Nehemiah chapter 1 and 2. Read the whole book. Read how in Nehemiah he prays a simple prayer and then the king gives him everything he asked for. You're like, that only happens if God gets involved. Because as he was fearful, he's like, the king's going to see me and I'm downcast. He could just kill me. So Elijah prayed that the rain would stop. Three and a half years later, he's on the top of the mountain with one of his servants and he's like, he's praying on the ground the rain to come, tells the servant seven times, go look. He looks, he's like, there's no rain. He's like, he keeps praying, go look again, go look again. The seventh time he goes and looks, he goes, yeah, there's this cloud about the size of my thumb out that way. He's like, all right, go tell King Ahab, the, the rain's coming. It's not like in the last two days you're seeing the big old storm clouds coming up the valley and that you're like, it's going to rain. It's like this little tiny cloud in his face. He's like, God's answered, go tell him he's going to pray. Because he knew the power of prayer in God answering prayer and so only God is the one who can hold back the rain God is the only one that can send fire from heaven God is the only one that can raise the dead to life and God does those things according to his will and his word as his people pray in 1 Kings chapter 17, if you read this week, uh, 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 this boldness, this confidence that he has, God sends Elijah to their foreign neighbors, and he goes, and, and there's this widow that's there, and she has a son. He runs into her, and so he says, hey, would you bake me some food? And she goes, oh, she says, we're, we're getting, I'm gathering sticks. We're going to make our last bit of bread and eat it and die. He goes, no, make me some bread first, and then feed yourself. And God did some miraculous work and God provided oil and flour as long as that famine lasts so that widow and her son did not die of starvation. But there's a point in which the son dies while he's there. The son dies while Elijah's being a host in, hosted in their home. And he says this prayer in 1 Kings 17, verse 20. And he cried to the Lord, O Lord, my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourned by killing her son? Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord, my God, let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child came into him again and he revived. Did Elijah raise the son back to life? Okay, some of you are like maybe confused. Did Elijah raise the son back to life? Who did? Who prayed that God would do that? Elijah. And Elijah is a what type of man? It says right in their passage today. A righteous man. Yes, he's a prophet of God. But again, the prayer of the righteous person has great power and it's working. And I don't, I don't, I'm not asking you to respond, but I mean to think, do you ever struggle when you're praying to have the confidence like Elijah? I know I have. Many times. Pray a prayer. Oh, Lord, I know you can do it. Uh, but you're probably not because of that. I, that sounds bad, but I've prayed like that before. Lord, you know, if you would, instead of just 
You know, um, Lord, we see how you work. Your scripture says to pray this way. I'm just going to pray in confidence and ask that it would be according to your will that you do these things. And Elijah prayed confidently, and it was God's will to raise that son back to life. In Mark chapter 9, if you turn over there, there's a man who I identify with in the sense of lack of faith at times in prayer. And this man in Mark chapter 9 has a son who's demon-possessed. I mean, imagine having a child, having a son, and your son being demon-possessed. And those demons are trying to kill your son, to drown him, to put him in a fire. And so this man goes to Jesus' disciples and asks the disciples to cast out the demon. And Jesus comes down off of the Mount of Transfiguration in that moment there. And he's like, he's like you have little faith. And he has this interaction with this man in Mark chapter 9. It says, and Jesus asked the, his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. And he says, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help him. He doesn't realize that he's <laughs> speaking to Christ who has spoke the world into existence. And he says, but if you can do anything... I don't know about you, but I, I know I've struggled at times in prayer. Lord, man, if you could do anything. And Jesus says, he corrects him. Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Amen. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. I know this morning before I came down here, I was like, Lord, I believe and help my unbelief because I know that you desire to build up your church and you desire to work in your church. I know you desire to call your people to Christ to be saved. And sometimes, like this morning, I'm feeling kind of weak. And so, Lord, would you help my unbelief? Holy Spirit, help me to know and to have the confidence as I pray that I would pray according to your will and to your word and I would leave those things and God's working up to him and be at peace that I don't have to manufacture something this morning. Because I think there's too many people who stand in pulpits in this world and try to manufacture something to happen in the church. And they try to entertain you. They try to get you to emotionally respond in some type of way. And here's the thing. I cannot do any of that for you or God's church because God's the one who works in his church. Christ is the one who's the head of church that builds his church. The Holy Spirit of God is the one who moves and fills his people and empowers his people to walk in holiness and do his will. So trust the Lord that he will answer according to his will. And if you need a reminder, read Hebrews chapter 10. For the righteous person, the person in Christ. Think about this wonderful truth this morning. Hebrews 10, 19 through 23. <clears throat> Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Amen. Amen. Our God is faithful. 
He answers the prayers of his people according to his word as he says he will. So as you doubt, Christian, as you lack confidence this morning, brother and sister in Christ, pray and ask that the Holy Spirit would give you encouragement from the word of God like Hebrews 10 that Jesus Christ listens to his people. He hears the prayers of his righteous. He answers according to his will and he prays on behalf of you, his people. Be reminded of those truths. And James ends in verse 17 and 18. For three and a half years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. That is the result of the powerful prayer of the righteous man of God. And that happens when God's people who are righteous pray according to his word and his will. I mentioned it earlier, but in 1 Kings 19, Elijah prayed, Lord, let me die. God said no. He did not answer Elijah's prayer. Well, he did, but it was a no. And again, to think about the things that God says to you, yes or no. I used to, for some reason, I crazy thought that, you, that there was a maybe in prayers. No, there's a yes or no. God is going to do according to his will. So he either says yes to what you pray as he leads you to, or he says no. The hard part is I don't like the no's. I don't know about you, but if our God is a good, good father who loves his children and he will not give you those things that you pray for that he knows, no, that is not good for you. I'm not going to grant you that. He knows better and we must therefore rest in his answer of a no. Amen. Turn over to 1 Kings 18. Look at this last part here. Even though God said no to Elijah, he wasn't going to let him die. The Lord directed uh, Elijah, stood before King Ahab, who wanted to kill him. And he says to King Ahab, Gather up the nation of Israel on the mountain and bring those prophets of Baal and Asherah, 850 of them total. And Ahab does it. They all go up on the mountain. And he gathers these people. And the people of God are there. And he challenges all the people. You need to make a decision today. Are you going to believe in the Lord God Almighty? Or are you going to believe in these gods, these demons of wood and stone that can do nothing? Because the nation of Israel constantly we're turning from God and believing in a piece of wood, a piece of stone. Again, imagine if we had this place filled with statues and you came to pray to statues. They can do nothing. Nothing. And he gathers up 850 of these prophets. He says, all right, here's the deal. Nation of Israel, you guys are going to make a judgment today. And he tells the prophets of Baal and Asher, he says, all right, you guys, you guys make your altar, you slaughter a, a steer, you put it on there, and I want you, and I'm going to do the same thing, and we're going to pray. I'm going to pray to the Lord God Almighty. You're going to pray to your gods, and whoever answers in fire, he alone is God. I mean, you think for, I'm like, that is a crazy prayer. And so all they 
prophets of Baal, they gather for hours all morning. They're chanting, praying, calling out. He even to a point jokes with them. He's like, maybe your God is in the bathroom. Maybe he's on vacation. Maybe all these things you should call louder. So they go louder. They're exhausted. They take sword, these knives. They start cutting themselves to let blood flow, to appeal to their gods. And nothing. It actually, read the chapter. No one heard. No one answered. I love that. And so then he gathers all the people and Elijah builds the altar and the slaughter and he tells the people, take these jars and pour water over it. Wait, Elijah, you're going to upset, you know, we're asking for God's fire. Pour water over it. Three times, there's a trough around it filled with water. And look at the prayer in 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 36 through 39. And at the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, Answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Now stop there. Look at the words of those prayers. Those are simple prayers. You can read similar declarations through the book of Psalms declaring who God is. You can read through Scripture and pray these prayers. Some of you need to open the book of Ephesians and look at the four prayers that Apostle Paul prays for the body of Christ. As James says, pray for one another church are you praying those prayers out of the book of Ephesians for one another in the body of Christ if you don't know what to pray open the word of God because that's what you should pray but he prays confident he prays simply and prays to a powerful and only Lord God Almighty verse 38 then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Now, here's the thing. God does not need to send fire so that you would believe in him, in Christ and his grace at the cross. The power of the Holy Spirit works in us that we would see the truth and believe in him. But in this instance, God sent fire from heaven and burnt up the stones. Church, that's a hot fire. And the people fell on the ground and said, the Lord, he is God. And he said, slaughter all these prophets of Baal. And 850 of them were killed that day so that these teaching and these false teachings, the worship false gods, was, would be taken out that day. They slaughtered him. Church, what are you praying for this morning? Church, how are you praying? As the worship team comes forward and we close in a time with prayer, I want to read a prayer from Ephesians. And I want you to just be in prayer. Some of you this morning, you need to confess your sins before the Lord. Some of you this morning need to give praise. Again, I should, I should say some, just all of us. 
We need to confess our sins before the Lord. All of us need to praise the Lord for salvation in Christ alone. We need to praise the Lord that if we're in the midst of a suffering trial right now, that he's bringing us through for spiritual growth. As James chapter 1 teaches us. And Father, I pray, as the Apostle Paul prays this for the church, I pray this for the believers here. from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, Father, that according to the riches of your glory, that you may grant your people to be strengthened with power through your Holy Spirit in our inner being, that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith, that we, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the other saints, What is the breadth and length and height and depth? And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. Father, to you, who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask, more than all that we think, according to the power at work within us, to you be glory in your church, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.